Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. And here we are rolling along on this Friday on the program. Getting you ready for Cuse and Cornell tomorrow. Still, uh, you know, the sad news of earlier today, the passing of uh, Louis Orr from pancreatic cancer at the age of uh, 64. We've had some uh, nice callers uh, reminiscing on their memories of Louis. But uh, moving on to the game tomorrow, it is Cuse and Cornell in the Dome. It is a 3 o'clock tip-off. Our coverage here pregame uh, will start at 2 o'clock with X-Man with the Burdick Ford and Burdick Toyota pregame show. I'll be here uh, postgame with Eric Devendorf for the postgame show at uh, 5 o'clock-ish, whenever the game is over. Well, postgame, our next guest, I'm not sure of the math. I don't know if his career quite intersected with Devo's. I think they might have been off by a year, but we welcome in our friend Eric Taylor into the program. Uh, E.T., good to hear from you, man. Uh, for for those that don't know, like we, we grew up around the corner from each other, so we can get to that. Did, did you ever play against Steven Dorf? I'm trying to remember back to the end of your oh, Cornell goodness. career. You, you know, you ask me questions I should know the answer to and don't. So I was... Uh, 2001 to 2005 at Cornell. So definitely remember the Carmelo-led uh, national championship team. I can't remember if Devendorf and I uh, intersected. Uh, I think Devo's freshman year was 05-06, so that would have been right after. Okay. I- I'll tell you this. If you'd played against him, you'd remember it. So I- I'm going to say that you, you well, did. Well, that's the thing. is I know exactly who he is. Yeah. Thank goodness I saw him in a Syracuse uniform. I saw him in the... TBT, that basketball tournament, the Bayheim's Army uniform. So uh, I, that's my trouble is I know exactly who he is. The type of player he was, great, uh, absolutely. I just can't remember if I played against him or just watched him. Uh, no, I think you would have absorbed some. You would have gotten caught up some random trash talk if you'd played against him. So <laughs> I, uh, I'll say you would have remembered it, so I don't think it quite intersected. Uh, for those that don't know, and Eric said you know, he played at Cornell, three-year captain at Cornell, and does now a uh, color analysis for their broadcasts of a lot of their home games on ESPN plus all Ivy League games uh, home games can be found on uh, ESPN plus for those that uh, did not know that but uh, to take people way back and this is how it intersects with Syracuse basketball Eric and former Orange Center Craig Forth are both from the the capital region Craig is a year younger than myself and Eric and if I'm remembering our, our high school lives correctly Eric uh, as well as Craig did at the college level, if I'm remembering right, you actually got the better of him a couple times way back in the day. Uh, well, I mean, it, it just, we always get better the, uh, the longer <laughs> it goes. So, uh, yeah, Craig is, uh, is a great guy. We, we played together on the AAU teams. Uh, he battled some injuries in the games that we were supposed to, to face off against one another. Uh, and I was lucky enough to have another Division One player on my team. And uh, I don't believe that uh, Craig's teammates were... Uh, we're, we're, we're nearly as good. Yeah, I don't know if the, the Columbia had a lot of other uh, D1 athletes there to go with fourth. He's now uh, the tallest principal uh, probably in all of New York State. As he is, uh, <laughs> I think a junior high principal at the moment. But, uh, you know, we bring you on today, Eric, to talk about Cornell. And, uh, man, my how things have changed. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, they're playing the Princeton offense, basically one of the slowest teams in the country, you know, doing all that normal Princeton stuff. And come back from COVID, and Brian Earl just supercharged this thing. You're one of the fastest <laughs> programs in the country now. What what happened with this, and how different is this for you to watch for Cornell basketball? It's it's a 180, and, and, and Brian was doing some really good things uh, in a more traditional Princeton style offense. Uh, 
but he he's absolutely supercharged it in the uh, the year away uh, for uh, for Cornell fans, and, and they just came back and, and they're doing a lot of the same moves. There's still a lot of backdoor cuts. There's still a lot of the the big man catching it uh, up at the top of the key. Um, you know, they need to have players that can pass, dribble, and, and, and shoot from all over the floor. But it's just, uh, you know, if you think about the traditional Pete Carroll version of uh, the Princeton offense, you know, that's probably going at 20 or 30 miles an hour. This thing's going at about 100. And I, I think what Brian was, was realizing was by playing that traditional Princeton style, you give up the opportunities for fast breaks. And so uh, that's something that's really neat about this team is, is they're not – there's point guards for sure, but there's not a traditional point guard and you get the rebound, you look for that person, you know, as long as it's not the center, uh, but even sometimes when it is the center, uh, that person who gets the rebound will just start taking the ball up the court, look for teammates ahead, uh, and they look to get a lot of those fast-break opportunities. It doesn't sound like we're necessarily going to see the shot clock like get under 20 a lot tomorrow, right? I, I, I would doubt it. Um, you know, that's been one of my jokes on, on air is, you know, whoever we're paying to do the shot clock is, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're not getting our money's worth because we've had a, maybe one or two violations where Cornell has held the other team uh, and created a shot clock violation. But I, uh, it, it'd be funny. I don't even know how many times Cornell's got into the single digits of, uh, of the shot clock on offense. Eric Taylor is our guest, the uh, color analyst for the ESPN Plus broadcast for Cornell. And uh, the Big Red will be in the Dome tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And, uh, you know, we had Brian Earl on another show on this station uh, yesterday. And uh, Donna DeTota in the Post Standard here wrote a nice article about uh, that. And he's spoken about this idea of the how it came to him. They're doing the COVID practices when they couldn't play literally by the rules of the Ivy League. Like, the players couldn't even be near each other at practice and this all came to him like this, this is kind of nuts, right? Like how it all came to him uh, that this might work. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely. Uh, uh, one of these stories that you couldn't have uh, possibly imagined pre-COVID, and then uh, you know there's a lot of idiosyncrasies with uh, with Ivy rules, and uh, we had a few of them as, as they dealt with uh, with COVID, and so. Uh, you know, making the uh, the best of a, of a difficult situation, in particular missing that that second year there, uh, was was tough. But then it, it laid the foundation for a pretty incredible team because I think Brian is uh, is is putting up some impressive numbers, impressive win loss record uh, with a team that doesn't have overwhelming talent. When you think about. Uh, who they're, they're they're coming up against, and you know the other thing he talked about when you wanted to do this, he, he knew that the idea of playing this way, you, you can't play this way with a with a seven guy rotation. You need to go deep. People need to go in and out of the game a lot, which means the parts need to be interchangeable. I mean, to look at a guy like Greg Dolan, he's leading the team in in scoring and three point shooting, but it feels like okay, he comes out, somebody else comes in. It, it doesn't really change how the game is being played. You're exactly right. There's a lot of interchangeability of the parts. And so there's a big advantage there of, you know, it's not like you have the superstar where if they get in foul trouble or they're not shooting well, that you're really going to struggle. And that's, you know, there's a lot more consistency in how Cornell is going to play. By my count, it's, it's, you know, if you you have about eight guys playing uh, 20 minutes or more, uh, Dolan has started to separate himself a little bit as, as the leader out there, he's just so good, so smart, so heady, fits well into uh, into the Brian Earl way of, of, of playing. But, uh, 
you know, so many different guys that can step up on, on any different night and have throughout the season. Uh, yeah, and it it doesn't really matter. And the, the two losses here, these ACC road games, both by two, uh, had the ball with a chance to win that crazy Miami game uh, that <laughs> now nine days ago. What, what do you make of a game like that? You, you don't ever see that. 107-105. This is college basketball in regulation. What, what in the heck happened in that game? <laughs> Well, it's it's two teams with with similar playing styles, and uh, actually, interestingly enough, the predecessor to Brian Earl, Bill Courtney, was on the uh, is on the staff with uh, with one of Larenaga's Larenaga's assistants. A whole bunch of uh, unique connections there. I mean, you know, Miami gets hot. Uh, Juan was was just on fire. Uh, you know, probably had you know maybe the game of his career. We'll see how he he continues to uh, to develop, and then you know if if you know, Cornell is not going to use a lot of shot clock. So if the other team's not going to use a lot of shot clock, they start hitting shots. Uh, it's very easy to see these uh, these games going to triple digits. All right, and uh, here we are, and we, we know what this is tomorrow. Syracuse is going to play the zone. Cornell's going <laughs> to shoot the three. How, how do you see those two things kind of colliding in the Dome tomorrow? You know, it's always an interesting matchup because, uh, you know, Jim Beheim does a great job of talking to the teams and ensuring – you've got to guard shooters, um, you know, especially Cornell. There's a couple of guys that can make it three, four feet outside of the, the arc. I mean, it's, you know, Syracuse is going to need all of that length, which they have and, and athleticism um, and really, really stifle those shooters. So it's, you know, we've seen games at the dome Syracuse or, you know, against Syracuse uh, and, and Cornell where it's been very close, um, you know, where Cornell's hitting those shots and, you know, there is a little bit of, of, of variability there in the sense that there's some luck uh, if those shots are going in or not. That's going to be a huge key because Cornell is not going to be able – they're not going to get two or three opportunities. They're not going to get a ton of offensive rebounds. I don't know how much they're going to be able to score in transition just because of Syracuse's athleticism. They'll work to, to, to get back uh, on defense. So, you know, it is going to come down to, uh, to shooting as often – the Syracuse versus non-BCS type uh, type games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as Cornell's going to fling it up from out there, there's nothing on the Big Red roster that uh, is going to be able to do anything. I'd say about Jesse Edwards, who's running up and down the court at, at six eleven, seven feet. What can Cornell do to combat that size, or is it just uh, Jesse's going to get his, and three pointers are worth more than two pointers? Yeah, a little bit of that. You know, we'll see. Brian likes to go mostly man to man. Every once in a while, especially against the BCS team, he will he will throw in a, a usually a two three zone. Uh, so watch a little bit for that. You know, they've got to talk. Uh, you know, the, uh, about rebounding. Uh, obviously, boxing out is, is key. He's also got a little bit of a bigger lineup. Uh, to Sean Hanson at six eight six nine. Guy Ragland Jr. six eight six nine. Uh, the two of them would say you could go a Marcus Fillion. Marcus is probably six seven, but super long, super athletic. Uh, so he plays much bigger. So that kind of a lineup, I, you know, I haven't talked to Brian. He may try and look to, to to use a couple more big guys in the lineup to combat Syracuse's length and athleticism. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back here to, you know, those teams, Ryan Newman and, and Cornell, and they made that Sweet 16 that was ironically played in the Dome in 2010, and they were the closest teams. They had a couple of years where Newman hit just a ton of threes, and Cornell, you know, gave it a run in the Dome. Like, is this team, can this year's team be as good as that team, or is that team, you know, they had the talent advantage, and this year is just playing a style that separates? 
Okay, yeah, I think that that team was was just special. Um, you know, if, if you think about Lewis Dale, the point guard, Ryan Whitman, no, six, Ryan seven, Whitman, forward, and, uh, and and then uh, and then Jeff Foot, the seven footer inside. Really, just a special group, a unique group. I, I don't think this team has that level of talent. Uh, but as far as with the talent that they have, they play as well as that uh, that 2010 team together. Uh, they really can put on a, a show, and Cornellis fans have seen that this season. Yeah, I mean, that team back, Whitman, pardon me, not Ryan Newman, he he, he could just uh, shoot the crap. I, I bet he would have loved playing in this style, huh, Eric? I mean, that would have worked out pretty uh, well for him. Uh, yeah, I think he's our leading scorer, but I think he would have been uh, even wider margin over number two leading scorer if he played in this setup because it, it just sets up perfectly for him. Uh, you know, the ability to get out on the break, shoot threes, it's a much more up-tempo style than Steve Donahue ran uh, now 13 years ago. All right, Eric, I, I, you did mention it, so I, the Internet saves all things, so I've been able to dig up the box score of when uh, you played against uh, the National Championship Orange that <laughs> season. Uh, no shame in losing to them. That was 85-62. Uh, you had 12 in the game, 12-9, and nine, so a solid uh, game. Mello, Mello did what he does. He had 21-10, and 10, which is basically right on his averages. It, what, what was it like, I mean, when you're on the court like a guy like Mello, like, how fast do you know when you're out there and see what he's doing that that dude is, you know, the real deal? It, it, it happened real quick. Uh, so that was one of our jokes was that we held him to 21 because <laughs> we were off of the NIT tournament. And I think he got 30 in both of those games or something ridiculous. And, you know, we, we knew a little bit. You hear him a little bit about him in at high school, and then you see him in the, the, the uh, Madison Square Garden. And in person, he's still the – probably the most impressive player I've ever played. You know, I've gotten a chance to play a number of different guys that went to the NBA, but you know, I'm six, seven, six, eight, you know, he's an inch taller. He's about as strong as I am, but much faster, much more athletic, better, you know, handle of the ball, better ability to shoot. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was something special to be, uh, to be on the court with him. And, uh, you knew he was going places that it was, uh, you know, incredible for upstate New York fans that uh, he was able to deliver that one, deliver the championship in the one uh, one year he had in uh, in Syracuse. Yeah, I mean that NIT that started the year, like Syracuse lost the opening game to Memphis, and I don't think any Orange fan was mad about it because they watched that guy say play and like, okay, uh, we got something <laughs> going this year. Oh, they lost the game. Yeah, who cares? Uh, th- this guy is the real uh, real deal. All right, Eric, uh, always good to catch up, BT. Uh, thanks for stopping by for a few minutes, and uh, do enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, thanks, Brian. Take care. That is Eric Taylor. Uh, again, we, we grew up like five five minutes, maybe even aggressive for how far apart uh, we, we grew up from each other. But uh, Eric was a, a three-year captain of Cornell and now uh, does uh, the broadcast of their games on ESPN+. Plus. So always good to catch up there. With that, we'll take our final break. Come back, put the final wraps on the show, tell you what's on tap tonight, what's on tap uh, this weekend here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.